You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. One, uh, five, uh. Okay. <laughs> That's a call. Three, seven, yeah, yeah. ten, nine, four. Welcome to Oddball. Welcome to Oddball, I'm Amino Hassan, and that is not Charlotte Wilder, unless someone just hit you with the ugly stick, Charlotte, what's going on? Damn! <laughs> no, that's <laughs> Modakil, he's, he's filling in, if you're here for Charlotte, don't worry, she'll be here later, along with Isaiah Thomas, yes, University of Washington Isaiah Thomas, former Mr. Irrelevant Isaiah Thomas, he'll be here, we interview him, it's a great conversation, you don't want to miss it. Mo, I brought you here today because we're in the middle of the FIBA World Cup. There's basketball abounds going on, live action with many NBA stars. And I just want to go through it a little bit with you in in terms of things that you've seen as someone who's worked in the league. You've got a keen eye. What are the things you're hot on, Mo? So let's just start with the people that everyone expects to win this thing, the people that have been dominating as ever. Of course, I'm talking about Team Canada. Right? Yes. <laughs> Mo, at this point, through the first phase of the tournament, can I say unequivocally, Canada is a stronger side than USA? I think you can say they're on the same level. I think the really the big question for them is depth. They really only go about seven deep. And I think that's the difference between them and Team USA. Now their top seven is a is as good as Team USA's top seven. But they're eight, nine, ten, eleven. Like then you're then we're starting to scrape a little bit of like, all right, now we're we're hitting some issues here for Team Canada. But their top seven is on par with Team USA's and you know, as good. And they've played a tougher group than Team USA. You know, they came out and beat France right off the bat, you know, and, and blew France out. And I think that's one of those things you're watching and you're saying, like, this team's here and everybody's saying it and they're they're correcting this. This young Canadian team is announcing that, like, we're here and we're ready to compete. I feel like we've been waiting forever for Canada to show up, right? Like, we've seen the Canadian names in the NBA and, and one would surmise, well, they should have a great national side, but they've kind of been underachieving this whole time. What do you attribute the final, like, this reckoning of Canadian basketball's finally arrived? I think part of it is just having guys, having their guys show up. You know, we know all the names, but a lot of them just wouldn't show up for the tournaments and whatnot. And I think that was one of those things that really kind of surprised everybody. And then Jamal Murray got hurt, and that was a guy who was regularly a member of the Canadian national team. It's funny because this team can be deeper. 
mm-hmm, right? Yeah. They could add Jamal Murray to the side. Andrew Wiggins is another guy who could have potentially played for them. I mean, this is going to be a squad when they go to Paris. Well, Brandon Clark in Memphis was, uh, you know, recovering from injury, but like he's a guy that would have been for sure part of this team. For sure. And and again, that's just how many guys there are on, on Canada's roster that I completely forgot that he was Canadian. Yeah. Like there's <laughs> just like it's a level of like there's just so many guys that you kind of just go like, wow. Jim Carrey, uh, Dan Aykroyd, uh, John Candy. The list goes on, right? Like all these Canadians. When they come <laughs> well, if it's a stand-up, if it was stand-up, they would kill and be the gold medal in, in Olympic uh, stand-up routines, I guess. But uh, this is not a uh, – basketball is a different story. Well, let's talk about uh, Team USA. And do you see a maturation from what we saw even last season? Or is this just Ant being Ant in terms of his production on the court? I think this is more of a maturation. I think this is stuff we've seen from team from players who go play for Team USA and kind of take the next step. You know, a great example in I was at the 2010 World Cup for Team Australia mm-hmm. and that was Kevin Durant's kind of coming out party for Team USA and then he had an unbelievable season. The thing that people don't understand too is these guys are playing actual games. This isn't pickup. This isn't, you know, um workouts on you you did the whole thing on Ben Simmons Instagram videos and th- this is their actual games these things matter there's stakes and all of that and we're watching him kind of take that leap forward I think for him this is just part of the maturation process and I'm I'm really excited to see what he's going to do one of the names that everyone's talking about because uh, he's been consistently one of the best players on team USA is Austin Reeves how much of this is Austin Reeves is playing great and how much of this is uh what my friend Brian Winhurst likes to call Lakers exceptionalism. Like the, just the glow of being a Los Angeles Laker means that everything you do, every dump you take is the most mwah, most beautiful smelling dump ever taken. No, see, the greatest example of Laker exceptionalism was Taylor Horton Tucker. Like, that was the ultimate example of Lakers exceptionalism. He had an unbelievable preseason game, and that was it. He was a five-time All-Star. We're going to get ready. This guy's going to be amazing, and now he plays for Utah. But Austin Reeves is the real deal, and I think that's one of those things that I I don't think people fully – grasped when he was a Laker because we just always attribute it to Lakers exceptionalism. But we're watching him on this squad. He makes a massive difference when he steps on the floor for Team USA. I mean, their very first game they against New Zealand, they were down 14-4. And then when Austin Reeves comes in the game, other guys, Tyrese Halliburton, when they stepped in, everything started to flow. He's just that guy that's kind of, he's the ultimate glue guy. All right, Carl Anthony Towns, Playing for the Dominican Republic, he's got them winning. How surprised should we be that Carl Anthony Towns, one of the best players in the league, is carrying his country? Yeah, we shouldn't be surprised. I feel like in in FIBA World Cup, it, really, if you have one guy, you're at least going to probably get out of the 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 round. You know, depending on you know some luck and things like that. But he's got a good kind of decent squad around him. He's averaging a double double in the the two games that he played. Like he can ball as much as we. Ignore, hate the corniness and all of that stuff with it. The dude's an all-time, not an all-time player, but he's an all-star. Like, there's a reason. I, I, it's one of the most the things I hate the most about the NBA and how we do this thing. When we find a new toy, in this case, it's Anthony Edwards. He's exciting. He's funny. He seems to be a lot more, you know, tougher in ter- in those tough times in the playoffs in towns. It immediately means that. Now nah, you're garbage, talent. You suck, and I'm like, well, he, he doesn't. He's not, he doesn't suck. He might have things that we wish were different about him. It doesn't mean he sucks. And it, like it, 
when you see him in a tournament like this, it reminds everybody like, oh yeah, he's actually really, really good. All these guys in the NBA are, you know, the 0.01% of elite basketball players. Yeah, there's some guys who aren't in the league who are amazing, but like these guys are unbelievably talented and they're going to pretty much handle any game that they go into. They jump into a pickup game, a, a exhibition game in FIBA and whatnot. And for their country, they're going to show you why they're actually NBA players. His name is Mo Dakil. He's with us periodically throughout the year as a former video coordinator for the Spurs and the Clippers. And obviously, as he pointed his looking at me, Louie credentials out. He was also on the staff for Team Australia for the World Cup and for the Olympics. Mo, thanks a lot, man. Thank you for having me. Up next, Charlotte and I interview Isaiah Thomas. He's here with us. He's got stories. And, of course, Charlotte's going to ask him about playing in Boston because it's Charlotte. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you've got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code ODDBALL. That's code O-D-D-B-A-L-L for new customers to get 150 smackaroos in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Our next guest is a two-time All-Star, was an All-NBA selection in 2016-17, and was on the MVP ballot that year. His name is Isaiah Thomas, and he is the most successful, I guess, Mr. Irrelevant in the history of the NBA. Isaiah, you were the last pick of the draft, and you ended up having a marvelous career, one that could have been even more marvelous if it weren't for injuries. Uh, going into the draft, what was your mind state and what did you think was going to happen? It was a little frustrating that day. It was obviously the longest day of my life. Like I never watched the whole draft in my life. Um, so it was, it was like a blessing in disguise. Like obviously my, my whole life, my, my dream was to get drafted and hear my name called. So when that did happen, it didn't matter if it was the first pick or the last pick, like one of the one of my dreams came true. So that was that was amazing. But it was just a, it was one of the longest days of my life. And to answer your question, no, I didn't think I was going to be the last pick. I thought I was going to get drafted a little bit earlier, but it did work out well for me. I got drafted to a, a great organization in the Sacramento Kings. They really gave me a chance. And as you guys know, like when you're drafted late second round or undrafted, you really don't get a chance, mm-hmm. um, especially going into training camp. It was a lockout year for me as well. So everything was kind of back against the wall. And I, I got an opportunity in training camp 
earlier in the season. They they called my name, and then I, I I took my opportunity and ran with it, and I was all she wrote. Isaiah, if you could give one piece of advice to players who are drafted later or or players who might have gone later than they thought, what would it be? Um, just to trust your work. I think you go in those situations where you are, where your opportunity isn't what you thought it was, but you have to make an impact some way, somehow. And my impact was just standing out each and every day. Like I made it a point of emphasis not to fit in and just stand out, whether that was be the first guy in the gym, the last guy to leave, picking guys up full court, being that, you know, that energy pest that all players hate. Um, but I, I had to do what I had to do to get on the floor. And then once I got on the floor, it was not necessarily easy, but the opportunity allowed me to trust my work and to show my work that I put in. And then, like I said, every step of the way, any opportunity I got, I felt like I always took full advantage of and I was always 100% prepared. Isaiah, you were a, a small player. You were a short guard in a league of where point guards, sometimes 6'3", 6'4", even 6'5". Uh, but I think one of the most impressive things about your game was you were a great finisher, uh, over length, over longer defenders, obviously seven-footer, shot blockers, et cetera. How did you get so good at finishing? Uh, it's just something I always had. Like, I always tell people, like, I, I've always been the smallest guy on every court. So I've always had to figure out ways to finish or I wouldn't be allowed to be on that court. Because, like, as a small guy, you got to be able to get in the paint and make things happen. And I was just fearless. Like, I, I never had fear since I was a little boy. I've always got my shot blocked. I always fell on the ground, got back up, and just tried it again. And then when I got, you know, to the highest level possible, it was the same thing. Obviously, early on, I had to figure out guys were longer, stronger, taller. Guys jumped higher. So I had to figure out different ways to finish in the paint. But I think the fear factor wasn't there for me. Like, it didn't matter who I was going against. I always felt like I can finish over them. And then most importantly, I felt like I was just as tall as everybody. Like every time I step on the floor, I don't know why. Like I be telling my kids that I don't know for whatever reason, I just felt like I was just as tall as everybody. Like I didn't see height when I got on the floor. So it didn't really make a difference when I was on the floor um, in terms of trying to finish over seven foot guys. Like I felt like I was just as tall as them or, you know, when I finished, my athleticism allowed me to be just as big as them. So it's it's a fine line between learning how to finish in between the bigs. But like I said, it comes back to I've always been the smallest guy in the forest. So I've always had to figure out ways to manipulate the defense and, uh, you know, use that to my advantage. Isaiah, you've played for several teams, you know, Kings, Suns, Celtics, Cavs, Hornets. What was the most difficult environment and what was the environment where – where you just sort of felt your best? Um, obviously, I felt my best. Well, there was two stints. Um, my first, my third year in Sacramento, so my first, I played three years in Sacramento. My, my third year, I got my biggest opportunity that I've gotten at, up until that point. Um, I was able to average 20 points a game, six assists. We didn't win a lot, but, but I showed promise, especially with giving the opportunity. But obviously, my best time plan was in Boston. Like I, I got the biggest opportunity. Um, I took advantage of it. I had a great support system and my teammates, my coaching staff allowed me to be who I always dreamed of being, always knowing that I can be the main guy on a, on a winning team. Um, 
the most difficult time was probably my Cleveland stint because I was I was injured. Um, I never really played with Hall of Fame guys, superstar guys like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Kevin Love, who else was it? J.R. Smith, D. Rose. Like the, the list goes on on that team. And it was just, it was a lot going on. I was fighting the injury. Like I was trying to fight getting back to myself, knowing that I, I really wasn't myself. I was playing on one leg um, in front of the world to watch. And, you know, at being a small guy, at being 5'9", you got to be special every time you touch the floor. And at that point in time, I wasn't who I was. I wasn't special. I wasn't able to showcase me being who I was, obviously, like the previous year where I averaged 30 points a game. Um, so that was a tough time in my career because I was never hurt before. And I was never, like, sidelined to where I, my mind thought I couldn't play at that level, but my body wasn't allowing me to. So it was a tough situation for me and at the same time like I said I was coming off averaging 30 a game so the world expected me to average 30 a game when my opportunity wasn't the same to do that so in that in that situation like if I could do it over again I would have probably went about it differently at that point in time I was fighting the battle of proving the people I was healthy I was fighting the battle of proving that I was still the same player when the opportunity wasn't there and my body didn't allow me to be the same player. So to answer your question, Sacramento and Boston was my my favorite time playing. Um, Cleveland was the toughest situation, but it was so dope to be around arguably the best player ever to see how he works each and every day. It was dope to build relationships. My, my airplane partner that sat right next to me was D-Rose, so it was dope to build that friendship with him. Um, D Wade was a, a a great teammate to me and, and a friend of mine to this day, along with J.R. Smith. And then Kevin Love, I played with since fifth and sixth grade. I used to stay at his house every weekend when I used to play for the Portland AAU team. So it was like it was it was a dope environment. It just the situation wasn't right for me at that point in time. So I think, those were those are my answers to those questions. Let, let, let me ask you something, and I know this is a little sensitive, but like, do you wish you had gotten the hip surgery during the season as opposed to playing through it in that last season in Boston? Um, so in Boston, I do wish I didn't play through it in the season. I mean, in the playoffs, but I was going through a real life situation when my sister passed away as right. well. So basketball was kind of like the only thing that allowed me to feel somewhat type of, you know, normal in my life. Like it, it, it took away what I was going through for those two and a half hours. So, um, yes, if I could do it again, I would sit out. I wouldn't have surgery because if I sat out, I wouldn't need it to have surgery. Mm. That's the crazy thing about it. Wow. So, it, and then going, going to that off season, the surgery I got in 2020 that, changed my career and changed my life, my everyday life to where it fixed the ultimate problem. It was brought to me in 2017, but I wasn't trying to be the first professional athlete to get it. Mm. So like, I didn't want to be the, 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 the trial error. Right. I didn't right. want to be that. Like, so, but if I can do it again, like, I wish I got that surgery. I wish somebody got it before me. So I didn't have that decision, <laughs> but I wish I got that surgery sat out that whole season, and then I would have been 100% ready going into free agency next season, possibly sign a one-year deal somewhere, showcase my my ability and that that I'm 100% healthy, 
and go from there. Like, like if I could do it over again, I would go that route. But, you know, you live and you learn. Um, I'm obviously still super blessed. I'm still trying to play the game that I love. I'm 100% healthy. Um, I'm a free agent right now. Mm -hmm. I'm 34 years old. You know, I'm still trying to make an impact on the organization. It's it's not over for me, for me until teams tell me that um, the opportunity is not there no more, and they haven't told me that. So I'm going to keep have... I'm gonna keep staying on my slow grind and keep, <laughs> keep waiting for that opportunity, as always. Do you have a team like a, what's the what's the team you would go to if you could put yourself anywhere right now? I mean, obviously, I, I would love to go to a winning situation. I think that at this point in my career, it would it would be best for me. But I'm I can do both things. Like I can be on a, a rebuilding team that's really young, and I can mentor and I can mm -hmm. be a vet presence. I think um, I was telling kids the other day. Well, not kids, but younger younger guys. I was over at UCLA playing at the Rico Hines rhymes, and I was just telling guys. Um, don't take this for granted. Like, enjoy the journey. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs in the journey, but if you enjoy the process of the journey, then that's half the battle. Everything else is going to work out for you. So um, I can – I think my situation in the league has been one that a lot of people hasn't been in, whether I've been a franchise player, I've been a guy that's getting DMPs, I've been a 60th pick mm -hmm. to where my opportunity isn't there. And I'm not getting no, you know, no minutes and I'm being a cheerleader on the bench. I just feel like I can do all things and I can be a vet presence to a young team. Be just because of my situations in the league, a lot of people can't say they've been in every situation. So that that I think that will allow me to help a younger guy that's coming up and trying to find his way. Isaiah, one of the things that fascinates me is the relationship that players have as rookies with a vet. Everyone's got their vet. And even after you guys split ways, it's usually someone you continue to contact, be in contact with uh, and stay connected to forever. For you, who was your vet as a rookie? And then later in your career, who were some of your rookies that you were a vet for? So my vet was Francisco Garcia and John Scommons for Sacramento Kings. So those are the two guys that those, they looked out for me. They, they, they paved the way for me. They showed me how to be a professional. Um, obviously, you know, I'm from the Tacoma area out in Seattle, Washington. Jason Terry and Jamal Crawford mm -hmm. were big on me. Like, they, they they were somebody that I looked to when I grew up, when I was younger. And they they ultimately paved the way on learning how to be a professional, learning how to work like a professional and come in every day and be that professional um, teammate that I'm supposed to be each and every day, whether I'm playing or not. Um, so those were four guys that were very – um, beneficial to my career. Um, I would say for me, being a vet, um, that I go, goes back to Boston. Like I was, when I when I got to Boston, Marcus Smart was a rookie. So that was one of my rooks. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> um, Terry Rozier was a, was a, was a rookie of mine. Um, and also Jalen Brown. Like, so those are guys that I still talk to to this day. Um, you know, last season I was able to be the season before I was able to be on the Charlotte Hornets. So it was dope to see Terry Rozier in a different role than mm -hmm. being a rookie when I was in Boston. So um, to see his growth and his um, maturity um, to, to, to go to that level is amazing. So I got so many young guys in the league that um, that I, you know, talk to and take care of. Then when I was in Denver, 
Michael Porter Jr. and Jared Vanderbilt was my rookies. So it was like, you know, all the young guys seemed to gravitate towards me and my story. And it's super dope to be able to, you know, give back to those guys and give the game that the Francisco Garcias, the John Salmons, the Jason Terry's and Jamal Crawford's gave me. Because I remember them telling me, the game that we give you and the things that we tell you, at some point you're going to have to give to somebody else. And and I was able to do that. And I'm still able to do that to guys around the league, especially like when i able to go to situations like UCLA and play with all those NBA guys and those younger guys coming up. They always ask me questions about different things. And it's super dope to be able to, you know, give that information to them. Because it's if you hold on to the information, that does nothing for you and it does nothing for the next generation. So I'm... I'm, I'm super grateful to be able to give back and, and show those younger guys what it takes to be successful in the league. Isaiah, you, Amin blew my cover before we even started the interview, and <laughs> obviously my background does too. I'm a huge Celtics fan. I was really devastated when you were traded, and, you know, you saw my reaction when you said Marcus <laughs> Smart's name. It, it, you know, you guys are the the heart of the team in in so many ways and what does it feel like when you are taken out of that situation and you know have you talked to Marcus about it um it's crazy because I haven't talked to Marcus I kind of tried to let him get his little space because I know that situation is tough and he was there way longer than I was but it, it felt like it was the same amount of time so I know what he's going through and I you know I read some things where he was caught off guard as well so I think that's the only time where you feel like you're old something. You feel like you're old, like at least a conversation of of knowing that it's a possibility to get traded. Obviously, you know it's a business, and you know you're not you're not guaranteed that. Like you're not. It's not supposed to happen. But you feel like when you go to war with a group of people, they owe you at least that. And I and, and to read some things about Marcus Smart being caught off guard. You know, it's an unfortunate situation, but it does happen. And I think for me, when I was going through that, it was a little more difficult for me because I was injured at the time, so I couldn't play right away. I was going through a real-life situation, and I put my career on the line for guys that I thought had my back. Not saying the whole organization didn't have my back. Like, I have tremendous amount of love for everybody in that organization and i know those decisions are based on business decisions so it's no like seven years later it's no it's no hard feelings like anything i say is no hard feelings to the city or to the organization because i still have lifetime relationships with those guys um but it is but it does hurt like at the end of the day guys are human we have human feelings and when you put your all into a situation um, it does hurt at the end of the day. So, But I, I know Marcus Smart is going to have a hell of a career moving forward. I know he's going to have that same impact that he had on the Boston Celtics community and the organization. He's going to have that with the Memphis Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies are going to have a good one because Marcus Smart is one of a kind. All right, that was just the first part of our conversation with Isaiah Thomas. You don't want to miss the second part. It airs tomorrow right here on Oddball. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.